somewhere else, you can be turning in Matthew and chapter 4. We're going to be looking at these verses together. Now, on the surface of it, people might think that if you're a Christian, it's like you have a, a kind of really super involved hobby. It takes up quite a bit of your time, especially the Sunday morning slot, you could be having a lion. If you're a student, you might just not sign up for the Christian Union, but actually go to it. If you're in school, as well as the usual range of sports clubs or music, Every so often, you're going to head away on a Bible teaching camp like Summer Soul or on a weekend retreat with the church youth group. You might have a Bible app on your phone. You might have a Bible in your bag, on your desk, in your drawer at work. And while the appearance of this super hobby is right there in our lives, to be sure, it doesn't quite explain what it is about the Christian faith that has so compelled you in your life, or what it is about Christianity that has so powerfully and so transformingly, if that's a word, drawn you into a a growing allegiance to follow Christ. Now, I really believe that Matthew puts his pen on it here, right in chapter 4, Right here in these lines, he's showing the powerful link between Jesus Christ's unmistakable authority and the compelling way people respond to him. There's a big link. So, the unmistakable authority of Jesus Christ linked with the compelling way that people respond to him. And the truth is, you see, when people really see Jesus' powerful authority and they really hear his teaching, they respond. Was that the way it was for you when you heard Christ's call on your life? Do you respond? Was there obedience, life-altering discipleship, warming hearts, new priorities, radical steps of faith, even small steps of faith, growing allegiance? You see, people all through the centuries have responded to Jesus Christ with commitment. Now, for you and I reading the Bible today, as well as watching this response among Jesus' first followers, there's something else. There's something, some real-time responding, if you like, that needs to be done for us. Something real-time that has to happen in our hearts, especially if you've been experiencing a growing distance from Christ in these months or even years especially if other priorities might have grown up in your life to take the place of your faith. Other passions have moved up to the top slots of your allegiances. So don't let this another opportunity pass to watch once again the authority of Jesus Christ and then respond with radical obedience. So why don't we all, let's all of us, take a step forward in growing personal commitment to Christ today. Let's do that together. And of course, Matthew, as he writes this gospel, he's all the time building the focus on Jesus Christ. Um, One of the commentators said that it's interesting. Sometimes we focus in on the little details and the characters that move in and out of the narrative. 
But that's not what Matthew's doing. He's building the focus on the one who's Emmanuel, God with us. The one who's the culmination of David's line, the son of Abraham, whose ministry, remember we saw in darkest Galilee, marks the dawning of light for all people everywhere. Well, as that ministry starts here, Matthew describes Jesus calling disciples to a deep, life-transforming commitment, verses 18 to 22. That's what's going on here. Jesus is calling disciples to deep, life-transforming commitment from verse 18. And I want you to see this. See how the increasing comprehension of who Jesus is demands an increased commitment to him. Watch for that. Look at verse 18, chapter 4. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Now these men are the first of two sets of brothers, and Matthew describes three steps. What were those three steps? Well, Jesus sees them fishing, step one. He calls them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men, step two. And then thirdly, they respond. Now, the response is fairly positive, isn't it? Immediately, we read in verse 20, immediately they left their nets and they follow him. It's quite remarkable, isn't it? And while following the same pattern, as we'll see, if anything, it's the calling of these second set of brothers is even a little bit more dramatic. Have a look from verse 21. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his, John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. Again, Jesus sees them fishing, step one, calls them, step two, and they respond with that sim same simple, immediate obedience. This time, Matthew records that they leave the boat and their father. They walk away from a good livelihood. They walk away from financial security, family commitments, now in the rearview mirror, as Jesus makes that call very dramatically on their lives. And you see, it appears that Matthew wants his readers here in his gospel to see both that amazing authority of Jesus Christ on the one hand, and then the fact that obeying that call was the only appropriate response to him. And it's right there twice, in case we missed it the first time. And in case we missed it, they left their family commitments and their financial security. Now, you really get from that simple narration, don't you, the immediate obedience shown by two sets of brothers. Even when family and finance were factors, they simply left it all and followed Jesus. Now, the commentators I've been reading on this, um, on these incidents, well, they note that Jesus probably had had earlier dealings with these men. Because if you read John's gospel, chapter 1, verse 35 and forward, you can see that Jesus had other dealings. And so it kind of rules out a rash, spur-of-the-moment decision going on in the lives of these men. 
Instead, what appears to be going on is more like growing comprehension of who Jesus is. And then, with that understanding in place of who Jesus is, there's a fresh start for them. New commitment, responding to Jesus' incomparable authority. Doesn't sound like a hobby, does it? And that's because it's not for these men. It's long haul. It's deeply impactful. It's commitment to the one with the authority to call for that kind of commitment from people. No hobby. And so for you and me, see how an increasing comprehension of who Jesus is demands an increased commitment to him. And when you piece together the full thing of what's going on here in Matthew's gospel, the full picture of who Jesus is, and we've been reading it these weeks, reading Matthew, we understand, like those first disciples, that only someone with that kind of authority could call for that kind of all-out commitment. Who else could have that call, and you would be right to follow them? Michael Williams, one of the, or Wilkins, one of the commentators adds, it's only by virtue of Jesus' authority that people could even ever sustain such a life of discipleship. So if Jesus wasn't really one with authority, well, then you could imagine these guys drifting away again. But they don't. Only because Jesus is who he is, with that kind of authority, could they ever hope to sustain that kind of life of discipleship. And the gospel's full of waxing and waning. I mean, look at after Jesus died and there was a, a terror in those men and they ran away and hid until it became clear that Jesus did do what he said he was going to do. Well, we saw last time how that call of the first disciples, as well as having an immediate response, there was obviously an immediate intention to, for them to go and be fishers of men. But there's something else, isn't there? There's, there's a gathering of an inner circle who would go and fish for people. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Remember that declaration that a dawning gospel light is for all people everywhere. And he's going to need people to go and tell them about him. And yet the first call, even before we get to the fishers of men bit, the first call before fishing for people, the first call is to commit to Jesus, isn't it? Follow me. That's what he says. Not, not commitment to a teaching, not commitment to a movement, but a commitment to him. Follow me. And you see, that set Jesus Christ and his teaching apart from all the other first century teachers. Jesus calls people to first commit themselves to him and their lives and their futures to Jesus. So you see what Matthew's doing? Describing Jesus, calling disciples to deep, life-transforming commitment. And also Jesus calling you and me to deep, life-transforming commitment. Have you responded? More than a hobby, isn't it? More than an identity marker, being a Christian. Have you responded in deep, life-transforming commitment to Jesus Christ? Because it changes everything. It changes your job, how you work. It changes your future, where and who you'll live with. It changes your friendships, 
It changes your spending, your time, your financial security, your family commitments. And Jesus has the compelling, audacious authority to call you and me to give him our lives too. I know that you're feeling that kind of pull on your life because I'm feeling it too. That's the prompting of the Holy Spirit to line out for Christ and to stop lining out for anything else or any other cause. And so don't wait if you feel that prompting of the Holy Spirit. Respond to that compelling authority with deeper personal commitment that'll change your life and that'll change our church. And remember the dawn. We looked at this last week. You see, your personal and my personal all-out commitment, it's going to change and is changing the lives of people in this community of Black Rock among your friends. You see, they'll notice that you're under a new power too. Your teachers, your colleagues, your family, they'll see that there's something different in you these weeks, these months, and these years. And then you know what? You'll want to tell them what it is. It's Jesus Christ and it'll come out of your mouth even though you don't have words to tell them. It'll come out of your actions, even though sometimes they're a little bit messed up too. But people will see Jesus Christ and his authority on your life. Now, in what acts as both a climax and a summary of what Jesus' ministry looked like in Galilee, look what Matthew goes on to describe secondly here at the very end of chapter 4. We saw Jesus calling disciples to deep life transforming commitment, and now we see Jesus proclaiming the gospel extensively right throughout the region. Read with me from verse 23. And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria. And they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis, and from Jerusalem and Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. Did you see how Jesus was actively, and no doubt in hugely exhausting terms. This, this whole tour of the region must have been absolutely exhausting over these months. But did you see how he was bringing the gospel to large numbers of people who witness and respond to his authority? First, there was that little inner circle, and now you've got whole droves and crowds of people getting a glimpse of the new dawn and seeing it at work and responding. You see, Matthew again He's taken Jesus' center stage here in his gospel. Thousands of people this time have been impacted by him, and his activities are described in three ways. What does he do in this little summary? Well, he's teaching and proclaiming and healing. There's three things that his activities are about here in the region of Galilee. And what strikes us from this summary statement is that there is indeed something going on, something new a new light dawning in Galilee. Look at the geographical extent of Jesus' ministry. It's commented on in verse 25. Look at the breadth of his healing, verse 24. Look, look at the word all the sick. 
those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, epileptics, and paralytics. What a breadth of healing. And just as two sets of brothers left their nets, look at the response of disease and disorders to Jesus' authority here. Look at the end of verse 24. And he healed them. That's immediate, isn't it? An immediate response to compelling authority dawning in their midst. Now, Matthew certainly bookends the next whole section of his book. So, from chapter, end of chapter 4, beginning of chapter 5, right up to chapter 9, verse 35, because you've got two similar statements, and they're like bookends of what's going to happen in between chapter 5 and chapter 9. And that's true. Look over to chapter 9, verse 35. Flick over a couple of pages. Chapter 9, verse 35. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. There it is again, those three things. Teaching, preaching or proclaiming, and healing. So there is definitely a bookending going on in this section of Matthew. The chapters in between start with his teaching and preaching. You know the famous Sermon on the Mount? Well, that's chapter 5, isn't it? That's where it begins. And then Matthew goes on to describe some of the most amazing healings in great detail. So there are bookends set here, chapter 4, 23 to 25, and chapter 9, 35. But here in these summary verses, Matthew's also more importantly doing something else. You see, he's drawing our attention to the authority of this man, Jesus Christ, because the gospel of the kingdom is certainly dawning with his teaching and preaching and healing, and the people are responding. And noticeably, if you look at verse 25, they are following him. And maybe that's following him just as he did his teaching and moved around. But Matthew's pointing us to the response that Jesus is making among these people. There's that powerful and growing response to him once again. It's getting bigger, isn't it? And as we've established, when people really see Jesus' powerful authority, and when they really hear his teaching, they respond. How do they respond? With obedience, immediate obedience, life-altering discipleship, with warming hearts, new priorities, radical and small steps of faith towards Him, growing allegiance. How do people respond? With commitment. Will you? Well, I have two pictures to finish with. Some of you may have seen those infographic videos that show the rise and fall of something like the world's richest person over the years. And as the years go through and they flick down the bottom, you can see who's richer and then their, their wealth wanes. Have you seen those little videos? And over 10 or 15 seconds, you watch the waxing and waning right up to the present day. And you can see those things change places and, and their priorities go up and you can see this guy was richer or that car manufacturer is now the biggest in the world. And we've watched these little videos online all the time, jostling for the number one. Well, imagine that there was one of those infographics produced for your life. Just imagine that for a second. Over the years, 
right up to 2022. And displayed on it are your priorities and greatest allegiances over the years, the things you've given your life to. Where and how has Jesus Christ and his call on your life waxed and waned? Would you pray that these weeks of 2022, that he would move into first place in your life? And then as that little graphic flicks through the decades to come, that he would remain at number one maybe a blip every so often, but that he would stay in number one position. That's a picture I want you to think and pray about. And now a second picture, just as we finish. I want you to imagine you're working in the basement room of your house, right down there in the basement. If only I had a basement, you'd say it. But imagine you're down there in the basement. It's winter, it's dark, and it's late. You work all through the night, and all your focus is on your own activities. Maybe it's an assignment to finish, work to complete, project to do. And so absorbed you are in that work, so intent on your goal that you stay there and even miss the most amazing sun rising beyond that room as the dawn breaks. You've missed it. But then somehow through a crack in the door frame, the light suddenly and compellingly comes through and so you close down your computer, you down pens and down tools, and you make your way up to the light. That's the authority of Jesus Christ breaking into your heart, breaking into your life, compelling us to follow him and to give him everything. Let's pray. Father, we are seeing such authority here in Matthew's gospel that we hardly know what to do with it. Sometimes we brush it away as familiar stories that we heard when we were kids. Sometimes we listen and wonder what it has to do with us. But you are making inroads in our lives these weeks, these months in Black Rock. You're speaking by your word and you're calling us to give up everything and to follow you. Would you show us what that looks like? Show us that it's not a hobby, that it's not even a job like mine. It's not something that we can dabble in and dabble out of. But would you show us that that's authority that requires our obedience in every area of our lives and that you would be number one? And Father, doing that work in our lives, would it then break out among our friends and families and colleagues, and would they see the light of the gospel as you always intended to break out from beyond these people in this room, beyond us, into this community and into our families, the light of the hope of the gospel of the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ, the King. Father, do that work in our lives today and in the coming days. For we ask it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The next.